Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Mitch Light of The Athletic. We thank our presenting title sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news presented by Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who've been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. The baseball team plays Toledo Tuesday at Hawkins Field. The Commodores get set to play Kentucky in the SEC opener this weekend. Mitch Light appears on our guest line, which is brought to you by Bolin Branch, which was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable Bolin Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Today's question and answer session presented by our friend Mark Gent of Simply a Fan. Mark organizes road trips to sporting events across the country and is doing so for several Vanderbilt baseball road series this year. Go to simplyafan.com to get more information and tell them you heard about it on our podcast. Mitch Light joins us today from The Athletic. Mitch, of course, doubles as Vanderbilt's sideline reporter during football season. Mitch, thanks for joining us. Hope your family is safe and healthy today. Uh, so far, so good. You know, as, as everyone knows, Vanderbilt has uh, shut down for the week, and my daughter's a freshman at Vanderbilt, so I, I heard from her frequently last night as everyone's trying to figure out what to do. She's, she's remaining on campus. She said a lot of people are, are going home, uh, but so far, uh, so far, so good. Has the flu stayed out of the light household? It has. It has. So uh, no, no concerns there. Yeah, I, I got know, it. I know you were stricken a few weeks ago. I was stricken about a week and a half ago. I had the flu shot, and I guess I got some form of it anyway. So it has taken a while to recover from. The strength still isn't back. I feel like I haven't had it in like about a week, but like the energy isn't there. So I think I'm not alone in that. But anyway... Uh, let's talk about ailments afflicting the football team. The big news coming out of practice this morning. We are doing this around 11 o'clock Central on Tuesday, and I've gotten back not long ago. Ted Roof was absent today. Derek Mason said, I think he had a surgical procedure. I don't remember the exact words. We have posted that on our YouTube channel. You can see it for yourself. But in a way, Vanderbilt without its defensive coordinator for what, if I remember correctly, might be about a week and a half. Yeah, obviously not ideal. First of all, hope Coach Roof, um, who have not, I've yet to meet, followed his career closely. Look forward to getting to know him. As he will, uh, part of my job is to interview both coordinators every week, so I look forward to getting to know Coach Roof. And obviously, the first concern would be his health. If it's only a week and a half, it sounds like it's not that serious. And you know, not ideal. Obviously, with a new defensive coordinator installing a system, but you've got a head coach who's defensive minded. So I, you know, I. 
it, it's I'm sure Derek Mason is, is you know, you were at practice today. I wasn't, you know, maybe some of the position coaches. I don't know if there's an acting coordinator. They probably don't really need one uh, for practice, but I'm sure Derek Mason's taking a, a, a leading role. So just, you know, hopefully Coach Roof can get back in, in good health soon. Yeah, Mark Mattioli looks like the acting defensive coordinator. Schematically, and I've seen him twice now, and Sean Williams has gone. We've talked a little bit. This team, I think, is going to look differently. I like their quick spread passing attack. I think they're going to have to use it. I don't think they're going to be able to protect very well. I think Seals is a really good guy for that system based on what I've seen. Defensively, they are showing a lot more 4-3. And today, at least, they were starting to do some install with some shooting some linebackers up the middle. So I'm anxious to see what they will do to create pressure in ways that they have not in years past. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we talked about this when he was hired. And, and you know, I think Ted Roof's been more of a 4-3 guy throughout his career. I know he's been on some teams that have gone 3-4. And, and, you know, you look at Vanderbilt in recent years, and there's there's so much, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Not flexibility, but there's so much versatility with these defenses now. It's not a tradi- it's, it's usually never a traditional 3-4 or 4-3. There's so many moving parts. Teams play so many defensive backs nowadays take a linebacker off the field so um yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what uh looks like defensively offensively I think that's the way to go and you know I'm I'm always an advocate for the option I love the option but I think w- whatever you can do to kind of minimize you know mitigate your weaknesses minimize you know and maximize your strengths um you need to do especially at, at Vanderbilt when you're never going to have as much talent as the teams you're playing um the 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 traditional pro style worked, I guess, one year when they had Kyle Shermer, who's an NFL quarterback or is on an NFL roster, and then three really good offensive players and a kind of a serviceable, serviceable offensive line. But I think for Vanderbilt to run a traditional offense like that, you, you need almost needs to be a perfect storm. And that's what we've seen. It really only was worked well for one season. Um, I think they'll be able to move the ball doing some other things offensively, um, d- despite the concerns in the offensive line. Yeah, one other basic change is they showed a lot of nickel today, and of course that's probably because they're running a spread offense, and that's what you need to defend one. But if that's true, the weird thing will be, instead of seeing four linebackers on the field like you saw a lot last year, now it'll be two, because you have four defensive linemen, and the linebacker is a lot of times who gets pulled to use that nickel, so that will be a change as well. Yeah, I mean, we probably expect some changes, and 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 you know, when Derek Mason made the decision to move on from Jason Tarver and brought in a guy who runs a different system, I think it was no no secret there was going to be uh, some changes. Let's talk hoops. Vanderbilt gets two in a row to end the regular season. Now heads into Nashville into the SEC tournament. With frankly, I don't think the matchup that they would have preferred. I think Arkansas of all the teams that were in the mix for them to play is. Probably the one that I would least like to play if I'm them, if I'm being honest, for two reasons. First of all, they defend the three very well. I think they were number one in the country at that. Uh, Just second, Arkansas's got a lot to play for. I think Arkansas would have to win the SEC tournament probably to make the NCAAs, which is going to be really tough. I mean, maybe where the net ranking is, if they get three or four, Maybe they sneak in. I think the conference record is going to make that awfully tough, but not the ideal matchup the way I look at it if you're Vanderbilt considering the options that were on the table heading into the final weekend. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I think 
they're the most talented team. They had a five-game losing streak in the beginning of February when Isaiah Joe was out. Isaiah Joe missed five games, and I think they lost all five. Now, they, they, they lost to Texas A&M, so, but once Joe came back, they started winning again. So when they are healthy, they're better than the 11 seed. So, that you know, it's just kind of a – in a season of bad luck, it's sort of bad luck for Vanderbilt um, to, to have to play a really good 11 seed. You know, I'm not going to go back and look at the 11 seeds and, 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 and break them down, but I, I'm thinking that – um, you know, this Arkansas team would probably be one of the more talented 11 seeds. But, you know, Vanderbilt is going to be an underdog no matter who they played, whether it was South Carolina. You'd say it would be difficult to beat them two times in, in a week or, or Georgia or wherever. The unfortunate thing is if Vanderbilt would have beaten Georgia in that game, they would have um, – Would have been 13. Yeah, it would have been 13 seeds. So through all of this, I mean, that's not a lot to cheer about, but it's it, – it would have been a little bit of an accomplishment for this team to 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 like kind of elbow its way past Georgia. And by the way, were you surprised to see? And I was surprised to see Pat Adams at the South Carolina game. Usually, you know, when there's a refing issue with a when a guy blows a, a call like that late in the year, I just I mean I have nothing to back this up. I just think it's probably best that you don't give that guy another game for that team and to show up to see him at Memorial. Uh, a few weeks later, I was surprised, not that it mattered in the game. I just, you know, it was one of those, I, I sit up in 3A, my son, and I looked down, I was like, wait, that's Pat Adams. What's he doing here? So I was a little surprised by that. I hadn't thought about it till now, but now that I think about it, yes. I mean, I think if, say that's Kentucky and Adams has a bad call late in the game and Kentucky loses at the buzzer, you put the shoe on that foot. Does that happen in Lexington? I'm guessing probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. You know, maybe maybe there's that was dealt with. Maybe it wasn't dealt with. I don't know. And it's not that big of a deal. It was just kind of a high profile call that that was wrong. It wasn't you know one of those debatable block charge things. And you know, again, I don't want to make too much of it. I was just surprised by it. But going back to your, you know, what we were originally talking about. Obviously, Vanderbilt playing you know very well the last two games. I thought, uh, you know, really. Played well. We talked after the Alabama game last week. I think we did the pod on, on Wednesday, maybe last week. So we, we, we've covered that game. But falling behind South Carolina by 10 and then kind of making a little run before the half was obviously very important. And then just played really well in the second half. And, you know, Saban Lee and, 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 and Scottie Pippen were outstanding. And Dylan DeSue made some few made a few big plays. And, um, yeah, just like I, my theme to them, my theme has been kind of like, I'm just happy for those guys because they, they've continued to battle. And for the most part, they, they've played well. You know, there's been a few exceptions. The Ole Miss game, you know, the South Carolina game, those games on the road. But they've played well. So, you, you know, you, you like to see those guys experience some success. And uh, it, the crazy stat, and I kind of looked I looked this up because it was going over it in my head. Vanderbilt and Texas A&M are the only – uh, two teams heading into the SEC tournament who have won more than one straight game. It kind of shows you the balance wow, and how hard it is for any team to get on a roll. Well, to me right now, it's pretty simple. It's if they get really good performances combined out of Lee and Pippen. Now, they don't have to have them both hitting on all cylinders. Like if Saban goes and gets 38 – like he does at Alabama, but the combination of the two, if it's there, then they have a chance to win if the threes are falling. And I really think for, it's really as simple as those two things for them right now. Yeah, it, despite the talent 
you know, difference between them and every team they play. Let's just be honest. You know, they, they have got a great player in Saban Lee and Scottie Pippen's a good player. And then guys like, you know, Evans and DeSue and some other guys can be uh, step up and provide scoring. But they are at a talent disadvantage based on just the roster, the injuries and all that uh, to everyone they play. But to your point, they have proven, especially at home, when they play well, I, I was going to I was going to say they can they can play and beat you know, mid-level or slightly better SEC teams. Now, they didn't beat Kentucky, but the fact that they had a double-digit lead on Kentucky in both times, you can make the argument if they play to their best, they have a chance to beat anyone in the league. But, you know, I, I, I'd kind of amend that to say if they play well, like they, they can beat the South Carolinas, the Alabamas of the world, like you said, maybe without being otherworldly. Like the LSU game was a, you know, and LSU turned out to be not as good. They were undefeated at the time, but Vanderbilt played way over its head, at least offensively shooting the ball that game against Alabama. And sure, sure, Saban Lee went five of six, but against Alabama and South Carolina, they just played a good basketball game. It wasn't like they just played perfect basketball to win those games. All SEC teams out today. I want to get into this a little bit. I want to start here. Scotty Pippen made the all freshman team. I'm have some concerns about these teams because it seems like we have lost our ability to count. Um, yep. Last, Were there nine players on the all-freshman team? Yeah, last I checked, you can play five at a time. The first team all-SEC team has nine. The second team has eight. And then the all-freshman team has eight. So, however you count it, Scotty Pippen among the eight on the all-freshman team, I think that was very deserved. I cannot imagine there were seven better freshmen than him. I think the surprise of the year to me is how well he played. I did not expect him to play at the level that he has shown. Yeah, I agree. You, just, you didn't know. You just never know, especially with guys who are, aside from the fact that he's Scottie Pippen's son, you know, some people might think, oh, he'd be overrated by recruiting services. You know, guys who sign in the spring who don't sign in the fall, there's there's sometimes reasons for that. You know, they, they feel like they're overlooked and they can get better offers. Uh, and Vanderbilt's had great success over the years with some spring signees, and they've had some guys who just you realize that they that's why they didn't sign early. You know, they, they weren't high major players. Uh, he is a high major player. I think he will continue to get better. He needs to get stronger and better defensively. Um, I like it. He seems to be a pretty savvy player, never gets rattled. You know, sometimes you watch him, you can't tell. Well, usually you can't tell if Vanderbilt's up by 10 or down by 10. Uh, he's made big plays late in games, and he obviously missed those free throws in the Georgia game and atoned for that by making 15 of 16 against South Carolina. So I think he has a bright future. Yeah, I'm going back and rethinking that again. Okay, Pippen was not a top 150 player. I know I talked to the old staff. They did not think he was an immediate contributor. Um, as they saw him about a year and a half ago, they did not think he was going to come in and set the world on fire right of the way they thought he might help them as a backup. Obviously, that's not how it panned out. But you think about there's two things. First of all, when your name is Pippen, you're not going to lack visibility. Second of all, when you play at a powerhouse in L.A. where you get a lot of exposure, you're also not going to suffer from attention. I look back on it now, and it's curious to me, and maybe the answer is as simple as he's gotten that much better since he got on campus, but to me, him being underrated the way he was is a surprise because the variables – that should have kept him from being in that spot were all there. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to tease a little story. Uh, I'm I'm going over to Vanderbilt later today. I'm going to do a story on Braley Albert. I'm just intrigued by uh, – I did a story on Drew Weikert, so maybe call me the walk-on beat writer, but I'm going to do something on Braley Albert from for The Athletic. Just his story to me is interesting. And I talked to his coach yesterday 
um, Ryan Bailey, who played at UCLA, and he was talking about how Braley was. I don't. I don't want to give away too much of my story here, but you know, under recruited, and I asked him because he was in the same league as Scottie Pippen, and I asked his coach. I said, I asked Bailey, I said, are you surprised that Pippen has been so good? He said, I'm not. He goes, he was on a team with Cassius Stanley from Duke and some other high major recruits. But my scouting report was you got to stop Scottie Pippen because if you got, you know, he was the type of guy that could get going, get his whole team going. Now, you take take a grain of salt what high school coaches say because they're going to praise kids. They're going to praise their own kids. They're going to praise kids they play against. But he seemed to think that Scottie Pippen was going to be a very good college basketball player. Saban Lee makes the second team, which I think is certainly at a minimum deserved. I think probably there was an argument there that he could have made the first team, but it's really hard to know what to do with players on a 3-15 and team. And especially, you look at his situation, it's just so complicated with him losing Neesmith, with him having some games where he wasn't ready to take over the way he has now once they lost Neesmith. It's been a weird year. It's kind of hard to know where to slot, but I think at a minimum – he deserves second team. Yeah, um, I haven't really looked too closely because it's easy to say he should be on the first team. But if you're going to put him on the first team, who do you move out? So I'm going to go through the names real quick. Kara Lewis Jr. from Alabama, Mason Jones, Samir Doughty, Keontae Johnson, Emmanuel Quickly, Nick Richards, Skylar Mays, Brian Tyree, Reggie Perry. The two guys that, you know, Keontae Johnson would be, the I guess, the, the guy that I would maybe bump for Saban Lee. Um, I just, he's the only one I really looked at the numbers. Saban in SEC games, Saban averaged 19.9 points per game. Uh, Johnson averaged 14.5, I believe, but was more efficient, shot the ball better than Saban did, over 50%. Here's my take on the all SEC team. He might not be a first teamer, Saban, but if you had a draft of SEC players, with coaches, I would be stunned if he wasn't one of the first 10 players picked in, in an SEC player draft for their, I'm talking about for college teams. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm looking at guys that would be obvious picks. I think that Reggie Perry would be an obvious pick. Nick Richards would be an obvious pick. Probably Emmanuel quickly. You know, Auburn gets it done so many different ways. I think Isaiah Joe, if you you put him back in there and make right. him healthy he didn't make either team I guess because of the injury that's kind of a wild card Mason Jones at Arkansas I think is in there Kyra Lewis I've always liked yeah I mean yeah. it's tough to separate these guys bringing Tyree sort of saving Lee in a different situation Ole Miss not a great team but he's a guy that could light you up for 30 a lot of nights so I mean this is just a year where in general it's just hard to get separation with teams and with players and so in a way I guess it's sort of fitting yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, you, you're always going to default to a guy on an NCAA tournament team or a winning team. But I think Saban Lee has the respect of the SEC, respect of SEC coaches. Um, and, you know, so, again, if, if it would have been nice to see him on the first team. He's had a great year. He has, has played, you know, had some of the best, you know, that 38-point performance, 38 performance on the road is one of the better venerable performances in, in recent memory. So just, just a great year under – Adverse circumstances, like like we talked about, you know, having to be such the focal point of the offense rather than just a guy who could compliment Aaron Neesmith. And you would you just would the way this team developed and the way that Saban Lee developed under Jerry Stackhouse. I'd love to see those guys play together, but it appears that will not be the case. All right, let's do this together. I just thought of this. Let's do this for fun. Let's go through and let's pick the SEC tournament bracket, shall we? No. 
No. Well, you're killing all the fun today. Okay, I guess so. I mean, you are my guest. If you don't want to do it, I guess you can decline. But uh, <laughs> being being the self advertised uh, college basketball is my favorite sport guy, that, that would be very disappointing. Should you back out on the here? Maybe I just choose to do it in different different uh, avenues, different different podcasts. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're holding out on me is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Uh, Georgia Ole Miss to open the tournament. Who have you got? Um, I'm going to go Ole Miss. I'm picking Kermit Davis in the coaching matchup here over Tom Crean. That's what it, uh, that, that, that's what it boils down to. Well, I, also I you have the Georgia, problem of Georgia outside of Athens. Yeah, I just think this Georgia team is under, you know, Ole Miss has had some stinkers too. I think Georgia's underachieved more, and I don't love their attitude coming into the tournament. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Arkansas, Vandy? Um, I'm going to go Arkansas reluctantly. I, I would probably have picked Vanderbilt against some other teams, um, you know, maybe even Ole Miss. I just, again, I just think Arkansas is a pretty good team. I think it's just a tough matchup. I think I would have taken Vandy over Missouri and maybe yeah. a toss-up against Ole Miss, but like I said, this is just not the matchup that you would want them to, to get. Yeah. Okay, so George, Ole Miss will take on Florida by what we are projecting. Now, Kerry Blackshear has got an injured wrist. Yeah. So I don't know how that factors in. you got a team. Let's see, that game will be – um, game four, so they won't be the early game. I don't know if that no, matters it's, it's a the, lot. Uh, but second game of the afternoon. Yeah, I think I have to take Florida here. Yeah, I'll take Florida. Uh, Ole Miss is just, you know, this is oversimplifying things, but I was just I, I was doing some SEC basketball, diving in a little bit earlier this week, and like Ole Miss, it's as simple to me as like they had two really good players last year, Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree. Now they have one really good player, Brian Tyree, and that's why they're not as good. Like no one else really stepped up to fill that void. Like guys go from six points to ten points. Like Devontae Schuler is about the same player as he was last year. I just just think they're not as good. I think, you know, they've they've won some games. I think Florida's just a more talented team, even though they've underachieved as well. Okay, next up the game that I think I'm least looking forward to seeing, Missouri and Texas AM. Yes, I agree. Um just Texan, give him all the credit in the world. You know, lots been made about Buzz uh, Williams' coaching job, and he, you know, could have won SEC Coach of the Year. They're just, they're kind of a, a no-name team, and as is Missouri. I will go Texas A&M just because I think they're better coached and playing better right now. I think I am too. I want to see how those teams played. Let's see, Texas A&M slaughtered them, sixty-eight to fifty-one. Uh, and then beat them also 66-64. to 64. So 2-0 and there, that would seem to support that. I'm going to go with you there. Next we have – why have I lost my schedule? Um, Arkansas, South Carolina. Yes, okay. Uh, I think boy. South Carolina won at Arkansas. That was probably when Joe was hurt, but, but still. Yeah, I'm going to go Arkansas with the upset in that one. Yeah, I don't think it would be that much of an upset. I think I think at full strength, Arkansas is probably a better team. Um, South Carolina definitely has more size, but I, I'll go Arkansas as well. Okay, so that's where we go. So now we're going into the quarterfinals. Oh, we missed one. We missed Alabama and Tennessee. That I think that, to me, of all the first games, might be the most intriguing for a number of reasons. Yeah, I, I, I think Tennessee has – 
I mean, you could say this about a lot of teams. I think they have – they're the most high-ceiling, low-floor team in the league to me. When they're at their best, if all their parts are playing well, I think they could win the tournament. If they don't play well, they're going to lose by 20 in the first game, and that's kind of how their season's gone. Um, so I think they will play well. I think they'll win this game, but I don't see them advancing much farther. further. Okay, yeah, I'm on the fence on that one. Um, when they played, let's see what happened. I think Tennessee won. I think yeah, Tennessee been, won sixty nine to sixty eight. Gosh, I think I'm going to go with you because I think we're going to try to do a consensus anyway. I, I think I'll plus Tennessee will okay. have more people in the building, but that's a that to me is a toss up because John Petty's back for one. So we mm-hmm. now go into the quarterfinals. We got Tennessee and Kentucky in a weird rematch of a game just played. And, oh, by the way, you got the Ashton Hagens thing. I don't know what in the world is going on there. So how do we size this one up? Yeah, I'll still go Kentucky. I think the, the, the even though it's in Nashville, Tennessee, Kentucky will have the crowd advantage. And um, I love the, the way that I didn't see the game because it was a debatable game, but the fact that they came back uh, against adverse situation without Ashton Higgins. Now they got to sort that out. Obviously going to the tournament, you don't want that one of your start, one of your better players. I know there was, his role has been reduced of late, so they need to sort that out. But, um, you know, Tennessee just won up in Lexington, came back from 17 down. I, I don't know how much stock I put in revenge and all that, but the game, the reason that that game was so uh, recent that I think Kentucky will still be kind of stinging from that and be a little extra motivated to be Tennessee. Yeah, I think that little three-team group there of Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky is the one where none of those teams would surprise me winning the first, you know, coming into the semis, uh, probably yeah. of all the of all the threesomes there. Okay, Florida-Mississippi State. I like Mississippi State. It gets the bye. It doesn't have to face Blackshear. It has Reggie Perry. Um, I think that that's one where that one, I'm not going to say it's clear to me, but I come out Mississippi State pretty easily in that one. Yeah, I like Mississippi State's talent. Um, they've been inconsistent, but, you know, Reggie Perry might be the best. I mean, I guess Anthony Edwards is the most talented player in the league, but Reggie Perry might be the best college basketball player in the league. You know, I think he's really, really good. Yeah, A&M facing Auburn. That, to me, Auburn, I, I send that one into the next, into the semis yeah. pretty easy. although A&M won at Auburn last week, but I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, I don't think that happens again, although it's neutral. Then you've got, okay, <sighs> We picked Arkansas to beat South Carolina, did we not? We did. So you got Arkansas and LSU. That that one gets interesting to me too because LSU just can't defend. Yeah, that's that's sort of like one of those. Um, you know, it's going to depend on how well Arkansas shoots the ball, which you could say that about a lot of games. But they're such a perimeter oriented team when when LSU doesn't defend, they give up a lot of threes. We saw them do that to Vanderbilt. So I'll go LSU. I'm be, I'll take the higher seed here. They played on the fourth. That was at Arkansas. Arkansas won. That that might be where we differ, but it's also hard to pick a team that's that might not even get out of out of right. Wednesday too. It's your podcast, you can pick whoever you want. It is. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm trying to go consensus here. I'm gonna differ with you, and I'm gonna go Arkansas just for just to mix it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's see. Now we have got the semis. 
where we have what? We have Mississippi State and Kentucky. Yeah. Who are you going there? I'm tempted to go with the upset here, um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go with Kentucky. I am going to go with the upset. I'm going to take okay. Mississippi State, and then I will take I'll take Auburn to beat Arkansas at that point. You've got Auburn beating LSU, I take it. Uh, or are you going to go LSU outright? Not so fast, my friend. I've oh. got LSU. So you're going to go LSU and Kentucky in the finals? Yes. With Kentucky winning. Okay, I'm going to go Mississippi State and Auburn in the finals, and I'm going to take Auburn. Okay. I mean, Bruce Pearl's team has been a uh, a postseason team of late. Not, you know, they, they, they shot the ball so well against Tennessee. I don't know if that's sustainable. They shot the ball that well in the postseason last year, but they had better shooters than they do this year. So I, the thing about Auburn is can they shoot the ball well enough to win three straight games to, to win it? And, you know, the, again, they're coming off their best shooting performance of the year. Maybe they can keep it up. Well, as I phrased it on a talk show in Huntsville this morning, I'm taking Auburn – for, for lack of better options. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> it's again, just been you, a weird year. When you go into a tournament where no one has, only two teams have two game winning streak, it's clear that no one, no one's coming in exactly playing the best basketball of the season. Let's talk baseball for a minute. How concerned are you right now on the pitching side? Mason Hickman did not throw this weekend. Kumar Rocker threw and did not look like Kumar Rocker. And now Austin Martin came out of the UCLA game early with a hamstring injury, did not play in game two or game three. We do not know the severity of that. A lot of ifs there because we don't know all the information, but what is your gut feeling on how concerned you are with the state of injuries in this team right now? I mean, it's not ideal, obviously. Three, you know, arguably the three most important players on the team um, are, are banged up for various reasons. But we'll see if Kumar Rocker was just off a little rusty or if that had anything to do with, you know, his arm or shoulder. I, my guess is no, that he just had trouble with his location. It doesn't sound like uh, Mason Hickman will be out long term. I don't know on Austin Martin. Um, you know, we'll see. So. Yeah, the, a couple thoughts. The, the good thing is that this team appears to have a large collection of freshman right-handed pitchers who can be counted on already, which is different in the past. You've had many Vanderbilt teams that have had a lot of freshman pitchers, but the word on them is, oh, you know, not ready yet, you know, can throw mid-90s but can't locate, can't, you know, throw strikes and all that. Well, you're seeing some – guys who've proven to be reliable already, which is a really good sign. Offensively, I think there's this, you know, we thought this team would be a work in progress and could struggle, and that appears to be the case. And then you take out your best hitter, it really weakens the lineup. So I think that there's there's cause for concern offensively. The thing you keep going back to, you know, when has a Tim Corbin team not figured it out? I Pretty much never. Um you know, he's had some teams that are better than others, but most of the time at some point late in the year, his team figures out a way to play its best baseball. It sounds like a cliche, but there's about 15, 16, 17 years of uh, of proof of that. So they got some young hitters that, uh, you know, you, you would think would get better. Um, so, you know, it's you, you look at the team and they, they were close to get losing all three this weekend. But again, they lost. They lost two games by one run. So I think for what, four of their five losses are by one run. So it's sort of like every time this things aren't going perfectly for Vanderbilt baseball, 
you got to kind of look and see what are the reasons why. Are there long-term reasons for concern? I would say pitching, no. Hitting, I don't know if this is ever going to be an above-average you know, you know, hitting team. Yeah, I want to get back to hitting in a minute, but basically I would sum up my thoughts on this team this way. I think if we know that they don't have serious injuries to Martin, Rocker, and Hickman, and they're there at season's end and don't miss too much time, I mean – the one danger is they're losing a lot of one-run games. They don't have a lot of offense. They could get in one of these freaky seasons where they're 6-13 and 13 in one-run games, and all of a sudden that could put them more bubblish than we would have thought. I don't expect that to happen, but just mentioning it. But I think if I know that they've got Martin Rocker, Hickman healthy, don't have any other major losses, and they're there for most of the year and certainly at the end, then I'm not really concerned about this team. I'm going to get into the hitting and the fielding in a minute, but I think, to me, there's more than enough talent to really get to where they want to be. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I agree. Again, that's where you sort of have to temper everything you say. It's not like other teams and other sports where the, the, that program hasn't proven over time and time again that, that, it, that it can figure things out. So, um, you know, if the pitching gets healthy, it's elite. It's as good as it is in the country. And if it doesn't get 100% healthy, it's still very good. On their lineup, I have the same concerns that you do. I think if they can get to above average, again, health coming out okay, they're in great shape. What I am encouraged about, I do think that they have talent there. Like, I look everywhere I go, you got Spencer Jones, who's now coming off the bench, is really starting to hit the ball. You look at other guys that have come off the bench, Justin Henry Malloy, is a talented kid, hasn't put it together yet. Tate Colwick uh, in center is a kid where they thought could be a middle-of-the-order bat for them, hasn't put it together yet, but did hit a home run the other day. Cooper Davis is a gifted offensive player in left. Isaiah Thomas, a very gifted offensive player in right. If Martin's healthy, we know what they have there. Duvall, when he hits his stride, is a very good offensive catcher in this league or any league. Uh, Parker Nolan's got some potential at third. I want to see a little bit more out of him. Harrison Ray is going to hit better than he has. I think he's going to be streaky. And Carter Young, I don't know that Carter Young will hit as well as he has. I think there's been some luck on ball in place. But you look at that, and you got guys that you believe in the talent at most spots. You have a couple guys coming off the bench like Jones and Malloy where maybe those guys end up being really big contributors and take jobs from somebody else. I look and I think they have a lot of pieces. This may not be the year that it fits together, but I don't look at that roster and see like this complete lack of talent either from a hitting standpoint. Yeah, I agree. And the key will be finding the right lineup, and it's going to take Tim a lot longer to figure out that everyday lineup because, and I'm oversimplifying things, but when you've got probably five or six now Parker Nolan looks like he's kind of found his way in the lineup but you got a lot of guys like Will Duff Spencer Jones Tate Colwick Henry Malloy Matt Hogan even in there that are all young hitters who haven't proven it yet so how many at bats do they get to try and prove it and how many successful games in a row will it take for them to make it in the lineup every day, if that makes sense. Like, you know, Tim found a spot for Will Duff a couple starts last week and he hit the ball well, and we haven't seen him again. He's pinch hit some. So it's just, it's a balance of 
getting guys enough at bats to get comfortable, but being sure you give everyone a chance to play. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's really going to be the balance. And now the SEC play is starting. You don't have as much time to figure it out. Surprise of the season to me has been Thomas Schultz. He was a kid that I thought was maybe the 11th or 12th man on the staff coming into the year based on what I was hearing on the inside of things. He probably is the guy that more than anybody wins in that TCU game on Sunday. Yeah, clearly. And, you know, looking at his numbers right now, 17 strikeouts and 13 and two-thirds inning, only three walks, um, you know, 0.66 ERA. So, yeah, he's he's part of that group with, you know, Michael Doolin and and, and uh, Laboki. His, his numbers are in, absurd right now, 15 and two-thirds innings and two hits and 16 strikeouts, two walks. I mean, that's – yeah. So that, again, like I mentioned earlier, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of good options out of the bullpen or spot starting, whatever you might need. Yeah, their freshmen are pitching like juniors and seniors, and that was not what I expected. I knew they were talented. I don't think anybody had any idea they'd be this good. Right, and that's what, like I said earlier, too. I keep saying that, but that's what we've seen so many other years. It just it takes guys talented guys time to, to kind of find their groove, the ability to throw strikes. And it looks like this group for the most part has already kind of figured that out. Mitch, anything we didn't get to on the podcast today that's worth mentioning before we end. Not really just, just, just uh, kind of got my computer open. So uh, it looks like Vanderbilt's baseball games against Lipscomb and Belmont. They were supposed to be playing at first Tennessee are going to be moved because of the, the t- tornado damage. So I don't know if they'll be, uh, I assume probably be home for games for Vanderbilt. Maybe they played Belmont at Rose park in the past. So maybe they'll do that. So that's just a little bit of news right there. Oh, that's too bad. I really enjoy going to that yeah. venue every year. Yeah. I think Tim did too. I think they'll probably return, go back to that. But uh, uh, yeah. So other than that, that's about it. Where was the damage to the park? Do we know? Don't know. I was okay. kind of in that area the other day. We made some donations over at that Kroger right by, but we didn't get close enough to the park. But I know, I know, Germantown was hit hard in certain spots, and that's basically where the park is. So um, I don't think there's major damage, but you know they've got to get it ready for the for the sound season. So I guess they just decided it wasn't worth trying to get it ready two weeks earlier. Mitch, give out your Twitter handle and tell folks about what you're working on at the Athletic. All right, at uh, Mitch Light, and like I said, I'm working on a little story on Bra- uh, uh, um, Braley Albert that will hopefully be out tomorrow, and just uh, that's that's basically it. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. He is Mitch Light. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and should drop at least a couple more episodes later this week.